This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Galatians chapter 5. Hallelujah. We're building character by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's every likelihood that tonight your character is going to show. Isn't that a nice word of welcome? Aha! Uh-huh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. For this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. People say to me, why do you keep preaching on the same text, the same subject? Well, until we get it, we're going to keep going over it. We're going to do it. It's like hammering a nail into a wall. You don't get it in straight first time. You just keep hitting it. The principle of repetition. And bit by bit by bit, it's going to get through our thick heads that God wants to bless us. But He's already told us how we can be blessed. And until we start lining up with His method of getting blessed, you're not going to experience it. You may need it. You may want it. You may be desperate for it. But God is not going to change His methods to suit you or to suit me. We're going to have to find out what God wants done. We're going to have to submit to His methodology. And we're going to then start experiencing what God has provided for us. Amen? And so... He doesn't, he doesn't please beg us to do your utmost to walk in the Spirit. He doesn't say, look, do what you can, and I'll just sort of make up the difference. I hope you got that. Because a lot of people teach, you see, you've just got to come as far as you can, and God will meet you. Rubbish. There's no such, sorry, there's no such principle when we're talking about walking in the Spirit or walking in the flesh. You either are walking in the Spirit or you're walking in the flesh. And if you're half walking in the Spirit, (laughs) God doesn't meet you halfway to make up the difference. The other half is made up by your walking in the flesh. Thank you, brother. I need, I need every bit of encouragement right now because I, I, I'm not sure where I'm at. This looks like a zombie factory. <laughs> looks like they've been hit with a stun gun. So let's, let's carry on. Let's just press on. Let's trust the Holy Spirit to make some impression on us here tonight. Verse 22. Stephen, lend me your Bible again, please. <laughs> I've got my same Bible. I can't read it. Thank you. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, that's the fruit of the recreated human spirit, is love. Say, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. See, that's what it is. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The rest of it are byproducts of love. You can't have joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness, long-suffering, patience, and all the rest of those things, or faithfulness, uh, the rest of those things, without love. And every one of these have an expression. People will see if you're at peace. People will know if you're suffering long. (laughs) People will understand what kindness is, goodness, faithfulness, because these are the byproducts of love. Gentleness, self-control. 
Against such there is no law. And it's not talking about the law of Moses. It's talking about the law of the life in Christ Jesus. There is no law against it. The law of the, of, of sin and death can't operate against that. The law that will operate in those situations is the law of life in Christ Jesus because love is the the, is, is the life of God alive on the inside of us? And as a result of that, the spin-off is love and joy. The Word of God says that you and I are hidden with Christ in God. Now, how secure is that? What, who or what is going to get to you when your life is hidden with Christ in God? So it doesn't make any difference what, you're gonna, what you, you experience or you go through. You are going to go through it. Because God's not going to fail in that situation. You, what you and I have got to learn to do is make sure that in that situation, you and I are, have our lives hidden with Christ in God. You don't want to be out of Christ. In that situation, when the going gets tough, you don't want to be out of Christ, period. But man, when the chips are down, that's not a time to get out of Christ. Amen? Amen. And staying in Christ means I take the Word of God and I stay in the Word of God. And there are times when the situation is that stressed out, I don't want to hear another word. I'm tired. I've got 15 Christians telling me what I should do in the situation. Turn them away. Where did you get a word from God saying, get 15 Christians to tell you what to do? You're going to get 15 different interpretations of what you should be doing in that situation. Go along and closet yourself off with God. Close your door. Switch off your television. Unplug the phone. Get yourself a good canteen of coffee. High octane stuff. Because you're not planning to sleep until such time as you hear from God. And don't say, oh, I'm that spiritual. I never fall asleep. You lie. (laughs) On your face before God. And God's yapping at you like this. Ching, 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 ching. And you're not hearing a thing. When you wake up, you say, I wish God would speak to me. (laughs) All right, let's carry on. So we got the fruit of the Spirit. Now these are things that are manifest in the recreated human spirit. You can't tell me that you're born again if there's not a radical change in your life. Now the manifestation of the byproducts of the fruit of love, they take time to cultivate, just like any fruit. But you're going to see tonight that we're responsible for doing that. So we're going to have a look tonight at the third fruit there. The, The fruit of the Spirit is love, the byproduct. Joy, peace, long-suffering. My Lord in heaven. (laughs) How many of you are having a tough time right now? How many of you feel that you're handling it reasonably well? How many of you feel that you're not quite sure where you're at? You don't know if you're up or down? All right, now, have a look at Jeremiah, would you? There's a verse of Scripture I came across in Jeremiah... I'm going to preach on this one day, but I'm waiting for the Lord to give me all the understanding that I need. There's a brilliant scripture here that deals... Where? Well, I'll tell you, just find it. <laughs> Jeremiah's Old Testament, just find Jeremiah. Okay, now, the, the scripture that I'm going to give you, Jeremiah chapter 12, this speaks wonders, volumes, 
to the need that you and I have to grow. And, and you know what growth is? In the, in the spirit realm, growth is not a, a sort of growing by inches, bigger, 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 so people... No, you grow stronger, stronger, stronger. Yes. Spiritual maturity is calculated, gauged, by how well you're able to handle the circumstances of life. And that doesn't mean you keep taking knocks and getting knocked onto your knees. That may happen. But if that happens all too often, man, you don't have any defense. Anybody here done the martial arts? You know what I'm talking about. A guy is always open to it. You can smack him whenever you want to. And you look at this and you think to yourself, why doesn't this guy learn a bit of defense? See? So what you have to do is understand that if you keep getting knocked down, something's wrong with your defense. Go away and practice. Go away and learn. Go and check yourself out. I'm not saying you're not going to have challenges, but the whole provision of God is that when we have challenges, we have a protection that comes along and safeguards us. Now have a look here at verse 5. If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, how canst thou contend with the horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou hast trusted, they weary thee, how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? I mean, you think you're going through a tough time now? There's more down the road. And God never orchestrated it. He's not out there checking you out, putting the screws on you so you can't survive. I'm not, a, I'm not a preacher. I do not believe that God comes along and takes His children and subjugates you to everything under the sun to see how well you're going to stand up. That's child abuse. And God doesn't do it because God is love. But God doesn't have to do it. In many of our cases, we've put ourselves at risk by opening avenues to the enemy. And we won't take the counsel and the input of people who've been there before. You want to see my scars? So when you want to get counsel from somebody, ask them. They come and offer you counsel say, show me your scars. Don't talk to me about your doctrine. Where have you been? You been here? You been here? You haven't? I don't want to hear from you. We, we're walking in love tonight. You, you can smile. Just keep me encouraged here, all right? Okay. So you see what that verse in Jeremiah tells us? Hey, you think things are tough now? If you got tired when the foot soldiers were on the go and they ran you ragged, how are you going to keep up with the horses that pull the chariots? Best in the land. If in the land where there is peace, that wearied you. What are you going to do when you get into the turbulence of Jordan? If you're folding now, you see, and I know we're talking about long-suffering. We are. Because I want you to realize something. Long-suffering, and here, let me give you a definition. What I, I, I've talked about long-suffering loves patience. What I said was this, it's the ability to stand up under pressure, persecution, or distress. This is what long-suffering is. When you are suffering long, don't kid yourself, I'm nailed to a cross. Take that out of your thinking. 
Okay? You will be, the word suffer is experience. Jesus suffered certain things. He experienced them. I'm not talking cross. The the word of God says that Jesus came to a place of maturity through the things that he suffered. It's experience. Life is full of it. And there are some good and some bad experiences. And what we've got to learn to do is to handle both good and bad. But if you let the bad experiences mark you, the devil has got an avenue of bruising into your life and he will keep hammering you all the days of your life. And he will keep you bound in that area. You've got to learn to get free of that. And that's what we're talking about. Suffering long doesn't mean, oh, well, this is just my lot in life and I'll just got to take it, take a, a left hook and a right hook and, oh, I'll just keep doing this until they knock my head off and then I'll just say that I died for Jesus' sake. That's stupid because God's done a whole lot of things for us to ensure that you don't have to do that. You can see the left hook coming. You can see the right hook coming and you can counter it before it even lands. And that's what we've got to learn to do. So long-suffering is forbearing, fortitude. What is fortitude? Fortitude is patience with strength. Fortitude is the ability to stand against and not move. Man, all hell's breaking loose around a bat. doesn't make any difference. I'm going to come through this. The devil's taking pot shots at me. So what? You see how bad his aim is? One, uh, one writer that I was reading said this, endurance, this is what long-suffering is, endurance in every situation. Yeah. Endurance in every situation. I like that. Um, an eminent psychiatrist, Dr. George Crane, listed various ingredients for greatness. Among them are some of the things that you and I would expect to see on that list, like talent and responsibility and devotion to duty. But he also included a rather interesting dimension, physical stamina. If you want to be great, you're going to have to be physically strong. And he reasoned that many men do not reach the apex of their endeavors until late in life, and therefore endurance is necessary. The ability to stay with a thing and work through it until the end result. Yes, you're going to have reversals. Yes, you're going to have challenges. The guy that, in, that, that invented the, the incandescent light bulb failed over 900 times. 900 times. Some people wouldn't, would have given up after nine times. They'll say, nobody can make this. After 90 times? What about 500 times? What about 800 times? What happened if he went to 901 and failed and said, I'm giving up, I've done it over 900 times? But he didn't. He stayed with it because it was alive on the inside of him and he knew the end result, he had a way. He had that on the inside of him. There was a way to do this. There's a way. He had to just discover it. That's all. So we need to understand that you and I, we've, we've looked at the natural realm, but I believe the same is true in the, in the spirit realm. 
You and I have got to have spiritual endurance and stamina. You've got to be able to stay the course. Just a couple of references, and I'll read the text for you. You don't have to turn there. But in Matthew 24, 13, Jesus said, He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Hebrews 3, 14, the writer there says, For we are made partakers of Christ if, We hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So the way that you start is very important. And the confidence that you placed in the Lord to save you and get you born again is the same, is the same confidence you have to display steadfastly all the days of your life, right through to the end. Now, if you learn to make that part of your character and build that into your life, then you're going to achieve a whole lot for the kingdom. You and I all have, every one of us have tests and trials. John 16, verse 33, you don't have to turn there. Jesus said this, we touched on this last week. In the world you will have tribulations, but rejoice, for I have overcome the world. Now, you should still be in Galatians chapter 6, are you? Chapter 5? You're in Jeremiah. Go back to Galatians, please, would you? Galatians chapter 6. Now, while you're, you're looking there at Galatians chapter 6, I've just quoted you what Jesus said in John 16, 33. In the world you will have tribulations, but rejoice, for I have overcome the world. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Tribulation works patience. I want you to notice that it doesn't say that tribulation gives you patience. It works your patience. It's up against it and working, testing your patience all the time. Now, every one of us want to live a super abundant life. I believe that. If you've got some understanding of John 10.10, Jesus says that the thief has come for one reason only, to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, I've come to give you life more abundant. Or life of a superior quality is the Greek expansion there. Now in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 8, we are taught one of the principles of working ourselves to a place where we can start experiencing this. But I want you to notice something. You and I have to do the working. God has made the provision. And in verse 8 you read, For he that sows to his flesh shall out of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to his spirit shall out of his spirit reap life everlasting. Wonderful expansion in the Greek there that says you will reap life without boundaries. Boundless life. How many of you want boundless life? Well, that tells you how to do it. So do your spirit man. So do the spirit. So what does that mean? It means I've got to, every time I'm making decisions concerning whether I'm going to look, well, I'm just tired, I need to go along and sit in front of the television and relax. Well, it's okay. I do that from time to time. I do that a lot. But I want you to know something. 
there is need for us to sow to the Spirit. If what you're watching on that television is feeding the flesh, you're going to be in trouble. Yes, you will. (laughs) Yes, you will. And if it isn't just the content that you're watching, but it's the fact that you just uh, you're just sitting there and letting this thing operate in front of you with your mind in neutral, the devil will feed stuff in there. You'll end up with a passive mind. And a passive mind is pretty open to the enemy's attack. You've got nothing to stand against. Feed the spirit man. That's what he's telling us. Now, if you want to have life without boundaries, feed the spirit man. Because out of the spirit come the things that produce for us life without boundaries. Anytime that you've got a life on the inside of your, man, or your spirit man, the fact that devil, you're defeated. And he raises his head, devil, you're defeated. And it comes out of your spirit, he's defeated. You've just reinforced that defeat. Comes out of the spirit. The majority of Christians don't operate that way. And you have to learn to operate that way if you're going to experience life without boundaries. You have to take hold of it. Now, let me get onto my subject, and that is long-suffering. You are going to have test trials and all the rest of it in life. And it's not God testing you. I do not believe that. God does not have to test you. He doesn't. There are enough jerks running around you who will test you. The devil's got enough people who are prepared to play porn in his hand to test you. They don't even know the majority of them that the devil's using them. And that's why, you know, Ephesians 6 tells us we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so that thing that's coming against you through the form of an individual, a person, a boss, a sister, a neighbor, a whoever... It's a spirit operating. But you've got authority over spirits. So don't suffer too long in that situation. (laughs) Okay. Now, patience, and there's another word for, that's another word for long-suffering, endurance or patience. Endurance, patience. And patience isn't like, oh, well, here, this is my lot in life. I'm just sort of stuck here. I'll wait for the next bus to arrive. I don't know when it's going to come, but I'll just say it well. No. The kind of patience that we're talking about, the endurance that we're talking about, is something which is not passive. You're not just sitting there and the stuff's washing over you and you've got no control over it. It's a realization that there is arrayed against me an enemy He comes against me. His purpose is to move me off my stand on the word. His purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But despite the fact that he is able to come against me, and the only reason he is is because he's the God of this world, and I'm living in this world system. But the king of my kingdom has already defeated him. Now that's got to be uppermost in your thinking, knowing that we are going to go through it. You may experience it, but you're going to go through it. And so I have a look at this and I take hold of the situation. I don't go out there necessarily looking for things that are going to come against me. There's no need to do that. All you've got to do is raise your flag and say, I'm a born-again believer. Every demon in the, on the block is alerted to that. See? Now, as a born-again believer... You have within you the ability to be patient in tribulation, tests, and trials. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, your character's starting to show. I hope you heard what I said. I said you have, as a born-again believer, already within you the ability to be patient, to patiently endure every test, trial, or tribulation that comes against you. You do not have to get flustered. You do not have to get in the flesh. You do not have to panic. That's good preaching, Barry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See? When you begin to apply your patience, your long-suffering, your endurance, then you gain experience. You want me to go over that one again? When you apply... In the situation where you're being tested, you take and you apply your patience, which is long-suffering, which is endurance, then you gain experience. That's why I said to you a few minutes ago, a person who wants to come along and give you godly counsel in a particular situation, you ask them whether they've gone through it. If they ain't, they ain't got no experience. Don't give me the theory. We've got too many theorists in the body of Christ. Every one of us have the opportunity to become people who experience. Okay? But the majority don't. I know I'm right. I know. That's why I'm preaching it. Keep me excited there. Keep me going. I know. Because we counsel them. That's why I say, don't, don't tell me you, how much you know about the Word of God. Show me that you're able to handle the circumstances of life. Show me what you've gone through. Show me your scars. Show me your bruises. Show me your wounds. Tell me where you were at in that particular time. You want to come and give me counsel? Tell me. When did you go through it? How long did it last? How did you get into it? How did you come out of it? And are you a better person? Because if you failed in it, you're worse. Or don't come along and give me counsel. I don't want to fail. I am. I am. I am. I promise you. I'm getting really encouraged now. (laughs) Enduring is not always easy. But I want you to realize something. That without enduring, without long suffering, you will never reach the goal. Because unless you're able to endure, you're going to fold. And you don't fold, and you don't fold when you reach the goal. When you reach the goal, you get there and you raise the flag and you rejoice. That's the time to party. Yeah. Nobody reaches the goal and then folds and says, oh, just made it. <laughs> the folding comes before you reach the goal. Now, endurance is the quality that does not surrender to the circumstances, nor does it fold under fire. We used to breed horses, and we had a number of horses that had to be broken in for riding. And uh, anybody who's tried to break in a horse knows that the horse does not relish the prospect. He resists with all his might. And he may stand there, 
and he's looking at you out of the corner of his eye. Never trust a horse with a small eye. <laughs> Family joke. <laughs> but it's true. You could, hey, you're a farrier. Can't you check, can't you check a horse's uh, character out by its eye? Aha. Aha. Somebody else who knows. So you, when the horse can stand there, you, you get the blanket on him first so he gets used to the feel on his back and you put the saddle on bit by bit. And then you, you get up one foot into the stirrup and you test the weight and you watch the response. Some horses are very crafty. He stands there like he's got a smile on his face and you think he's enjoying it. He's smiling because he knows what he's about to do to you. You suddenly slip the other leg over and full weight is in that seat. You better hold on tight. He's going to buck and he's going to jump. Now, if you're not ready for that, you're going to come out. And you're going to have to start all over again. And the interesting thing about that exercise is this. You never beat a horse into submission. You ride him into submission. And you have to ride him patiently. He's the one that's all excited. You're the one who's real nervous. You just keep riding him and you don't let your nervousness show. Because it's amazing they pick that up in their, in their back, the transmission down the, down, the, down the muscles. Now, because you eventually, eventually, in that first session, you can bring him to a place where he seems to be receiving it. Don't be deceived. Because the next session, you're going to go through the same thing in all probability and probably a session or two after that. But he becomes eventually familiar with it. Point that I'm trying to make is this. You don't give up in the circumstances because it's the first time that you're trying it. Endurance is I'm looking beyond what I've got to deal with now in order to obtain the goal. When I'm breaking the horse in, the purpose is this horse means potentially money. I'm going to use him in the riding school. I'm going to trade him off. He's a good jumper. I'm going to sell him. I'm going to, but he's not going to be sold in the condition that he's in. He's got to be broken in. So you have a look at the end result. And you're going to have to go through what you're going through. But the whole time that you're going through it, you are gaining experience. And until you've gotten on that horse's back and you've tried to break him in, you don't have any experience. You can read every book under the sun, but you haven't broken a horse in. A lot of Christians are theoretical Christians. They want to tell you how to live the Christian life, and they ain't got that much experience. Now, is that the time already? My Lord, got another two hours. That's wonderful. (laughs) All right. Now, you don't have to pray for patience. Oh, Lord, give me patience. I've heard mothers pray that. Lord, I've heard, I think I heard the guys in the, in the happy church pray, Lord, give us patience. Do you know the circumstances of life give you the opportunity to show what you're made of? Every one of these fruits. Every one of them. 
Circumstances of life will show you what you're made of. That's why I said to you earlier, your character's a badisha. Filled with the love of the Lord, joy, peace, long-suffering. Now, 2 Timothy chapter two is chapter 4. Let me just read this for you. If you want to, you can turn there, obviously. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all What's the next word? Long-suffering and doctrine. And that, that equates to this. Be ready at all times to use the word to move circumstances. How many of you have come to realize that Mark eleven twenty three doesn't always work immediately? Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Oh God, I've been speaking to this mountain till I got laryngitis. Why isn't the thing moved? You people preach that and it doesn't work. Oh yeah. See, it works because it's a spiritual principle. The Word of God says it works. And the minute that you speak it, out of your mouth coming from your heart, you've set it in motion. Our biggest problem is that we're not able to patiently <laughs> suffer long till the manifestation of the mountain being removed takes place. Now, let me give you very quickly three functions of long-suffering. Three functions of long-suffering. First function of long-suffering is this. Its first function is to produce in us endurance. Endurance. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, says, Wherefore, brethren, seeing that we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with long-suffering the race that is set before us. Let us run with long-suffering the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, you and I are to approach our race of life with patient endurance. I think that some Christians need to understand we are not in a hundred-yard dash. This is not a sprint. Amen. The Christian life must be viewed as a marathon. Amen. It's long, it's grueling, and it demands endurance if you're going to complete it. You need stamina. You need strength. You've got to be able to pace yourself because you never stop running. The minute you stop running your race, you failed. There are some Christians who would never finish the course if they stopped when they felt tired or they felt thirsty or the going got tough. Many Christians want to stop running at the first appearance of a drop of spiritual sweat. This is their attitude. Surely God doesn't want me to run a race 
in which I would perspire. <laughs> you mean I've actually got to work up a sweat? The Christian life? I thought this was an ease into heaven kind of experience. Yeah, rose petal strewn. You know, all the thorns have been taken out because Jesus paid it all. And so therefore, all I've got to do is just get up every morning loving Jesus and everything's going to be all right. Wake up and smell the coffee. Whoever taught you that lied to you. See? If you have a look, and and some people raised their hand earlier, they're going through a whole series of challenges in their lives. And I don't make light of them. But I think we can consider them to be a lot lighter than you think they are when we have a look at what Paul went through. Five times he had 39 stripes put on his back. Anybody had that? Just checking out the congregation. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he suffered shipwreck. A day and a night he's been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of his own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils amongst false brethren, perils among the church. He didn't say that, I just added that. In wearings and all the rest of it, watchings, hunger and thirst and so on. But I want you to know that his testimony was that out of them all the Lord delivered him. The Lord's provision was seen. It didn't mean he didn't go through them. Because you see, it would be impossible for him to write from a position of strength if he hadn't experienced the things. That's what God gives children parents for. Good time for your parents to jump up and down and say, Thank you, God, somebody's saying something. Why do you think God gave children parents? Because the parents have been through it. The the kids should be able to look at the parents and say, Tell me, when, when I'm going through this, have you been through it? How did you handle it? Now don't paint some rosy picture. If you fell on your face, tell him, I fell on my face. And I see you going down the same road. That's what parents want to do. We want to save our children from the same heartaches that we experience. We don't want them to bruise their shins and scar themselves the way that we had to. We didn't have anybody to help us. Or we were just as stubborn as they are and got out there and did it my way. Come on. But you see, this is what the Lord does in the body now. Let me show you something. God does this in the body. He gives you spiritual parents. Make sure that it's the parent who's talking to you. I can get into a whole lot of area here. Listen, let let me share this with you, please. Please. Word of warning to the wise. We, we teach prosperity. We have people coming in here who are bums. And I don't mean they don't have any money. They don't have any place to live. I'm not talking about that category of individual. I'm talking about they are people who will not use their own faith and they're looking for an easy handout. 
They're looking for somebody who's an easy touch. Don't you give anybody any money because they come and spin you a yarn. You come and talk to me as the pastor. You say, Pastor, I had this person come along and ask me for some money. Does this person need money? Is this person part of the body here? But you see, we have people that attach themselves here and they're not part of the body. We have people who come in here who want to minister and lay hands on. You're not laying hands on anybody in this auditorium if I don't know you. Because you, you, you don't understand the principle. You're transferring spirits. You, we've had people come in here laying hands on people. This is going to stop. It doesn't happen here. And you ushers, if you see it happening, or you elders, you see it happening, you make that thing stop. You just walk right in the midst of it and stop it. Because I want you to realize something. The person with the best heart in the world will come in and do that. But if we don't know them, they're not doing it here. Let them come and get part of us so that we can get to know them. Or if God says, there's somebody, that's that person over there. Let them come up and let them lay hands over here. I'll do that. But until God says that, you don't just let anybody lay hands on you, folks. That's one of the ways that you communicate spirits. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your agenda is. I don't know where you're coming from. And if I don't, you ain't doing it here. Help me out because we're here to protect you. See? That wasn't even part of what we're talking about. How did Paul continue to persevere in the face of such suffering and opposition? What he did was he saw past the hardships of the race to the prize that awaited him. Now, what is the prize? You've got it there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Have a look. 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. This is Paul talking. After all that he's been through. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of what? Righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. There is a reward. Righteousness always overcomes evil. And here you've got Paul writing to Timothy saying, Hey, you're going to go through it. That's life. The minute you own the name of Jesus, you're going to have opposition. But when you have opposition, look beyond the opposition to the purpose for your existence. Grab hold of your destiny. Get it clear in your vision and press in because you'll go through that opposition. You'll go through that tribulation. You'll go through that trial. And the end result is that you can turn back, look back over it and say, I've got experience. I know how to walk through that. The next time it raises its head, it's going to be a cakewalk. First time was pretty tough, but I'm made of stiffer stuff than what they're uh, thinking back in the world that I'm made of. I'm able to handle this. I mean, looking for some people with some character. See? If you can't walk with the foot soldiers, how are you going to run with the horses? If you can't handle a little bit of Tribulation that you've got over here in terms of tests and trials. If you're in the middle of the Jordan River billowing, how are you going to handle that? Now, the interesting thing is this, that the prize goes to those who endure to the end. I want you to see that. We've just read that. Paul says to Timothy, to everybody who endures to the end. There's no prize for those who don't finish the race. 
And finishing the race is not having my life cut short. Your race may be a short race. I believe the Word of God says that with long life I will bless thee. I receive the long life and I plan to be here for a long time. Sorry to have to tell some of you. But I want you to realize something. I can be physically in this earth and have finished running my race because I stopped running. There are Christians who stop running the race. And here comes a revelation. There are no consolation prizes. Well, you started so well. And this is what Paul says. What hindered you from completing the race? See? And I think if the odds are great, you know, that, hey, not 100% of every person in the congregation is going to be living for Jesus in 12 months. I'm talking about living for Jesus. Not saying you're a Christian. I'm talking about living for Jesus. I think we need to take away that terminology. You know? Are you a Christian? No. Cross it out. Are you living for the Lord? Are you living for the Lord? That'll sort of narrow that down a little bit. See? And why do I say this? I don't th- I, I, I'm sorry to have to say this, because I'll tell you, I wish, and I'd like to believe, that 100% of everybody sitting here is going to be living for the Lord in 12 months' time. Why do I feel that it's a question? Because not everybody will run the race that is set before them with endurance. Jesus had this challenge with the people that followed Him. And He turns around in John chapter 6, and He says, hang on guys, this is enough. I'm not going to pander to your flesh anymore. You're following me for the signs and the wonders and the fish and the loaves. I'm not going to do this anymore. I want a commitment from you. Unless you prepare to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. In other words, unless you prepare to make a commitment to me, In terms of ministry, you have no part of me. And when he said this, that was tough. Because we read that from that day onward, many who followed him, followed him no more. They couldn't finish the race. There was a demand that was made on them. But the twelve took up the challenge. And to them, Jesus later said, You are they that have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you... A kingdom, as my father appointed it to me. You can find that in Luke 22, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says, I appoint unto you a kingdom. It's yours. Take it and run with it. Now, the second function of the fruit of long-suffering is, pro- is to promote unity among the brethren, among believers. God's will undeniably is a unity in spirit and in faith. We're not going to come into agreement on the basis of doctrine. So scribble that. Don't even let that be part of your thinking. But do you dunk? Do you sprinkle? Do you, um, it doesn't make any difference. We're not going to agree. Okay? But Jesus is saying to us, don't attempt to agree. Those are not important in the overall scheme of things. What is important? Do you acknowledge me as the Lord of your life? And are you able to walk in faith in your everyday life? That's the basis for fellowship. Not do you wear a tie or don't you? Now, unity among God's people is only possible when we become like God in developing long-suffering. Go away and go and read at your own leisure Romans 15 verses 5 and 6. 
And I want to put it to you this evening that it is not our individual faults that keep us apart. It's our inability to allow others to have faults that keeps us apart. See, what we do is we scrutinize them under a microscope. But when it comes to ourselves, we do it under a telescope the other way around. So we can't even see ourselves. Now, in Colossians chapter 3, and I know we're doing a lot of reading tonight, but I've got to give you some scriptural basis for what we're doing. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. What is the next word? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, uh, even as Christ forgave you, so also you are to forgive each other. Long-suffering. I want you to see that long-suffering is put on. And that means that each and every one of us individually are responsible for the cultivation of long-suffering in our lives. You will find plenty of people around about you giving you the opportunity to test your long-suffering. They're, they, they're, they're out there, and they don't do it intentionally. Part of the challenge in our life comes because they are different, and they raise differently, and they may have different standards and different value system, and that becomes a challenge sometimes. But we've got to understand, we are able to handle it. And I believe that God is raising up a Jeremiah 12.5 people. A people who are able to run with the horses, not just walk with the foot soldiers. Who are able to handle the billowing of Jordan. And we need to understand that those kind of people are people who are not characterized by whining and crying. Oh, my feelings are so hurt. They weigh beyond that. They weigh beyond that. I think we need to deal at some stage with how to deal with hurt feelings. Well, we won't do it tonight. Don't worry. Take a breather. Overcomers will forgive those who disagree and quarrel with them. That's an overcomer. It's not just against the devil. Many times the differences that people have with you rile you up in your flesh. We suddenly got real quiet here. And what does the Word of God tell us? An overcomer will be able to handle that and forgive that person so that that does not become a stress point between them. It's not going to be a source of division. It's going to be nothing that the devil can take and use to keep the body divided. Now... Number three, long-suffering enables believers to obtain promises contained in the Word. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12 tells us that without what? It was by and patience that the promises were inherited. That's right. It's with faith and patience, faith and long-suffering that the promises were to be inherited. Now, you and I are familiar with Mark eleven twenty four. 24. 
Therefore, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have them. Now, we all want to have them. But Mark chapter 4 verse 26 tells us that the whole kingdom of God operates on the basis of seed sowing. So if you ain't got any seed in the ground and it's got to be good ground, you're not going to get a harvest. You've got to have seed in good ground. And it's got to be seed that is alive. That's why the Word of God is good because it's the incorruptible seed. It's not sterile. It doesn't look like the real thing but can't produce the goods. You ever seen a field strewn with seed that doesn't have any life in it? Guy out there plows it, prepares the whole thing, and then puts out seed that doesn't have any life in it. And he's expecting a harvest to come. He didn't know it at the time. Had to go back and do the whole job over again. I think there's some Christians out there, this is why they say, why do you always quote the Word of God? Because the Word of God is incorruptible seed. Every time you sit under the Word, it's putting seed into your life. Now, you're familiar with Jesus' teaching in Mark chapter 4 where He talks about the sower sows the Word. I don't want you to go to Mark chapter 4, but I want to have a look at Luke's parallel in Luke chapter 8 and just a couple of thoughts and then we're going to close. Luke chapter 8, and you can read the whole thing from verses 4 through 15. But I want you to see in verse 8... Luke chapter 8 and verse 8. This is Luke's parallel of Mark chapter 4. He says, And other seed fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he has said these things, he cried, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. That's the importance of that message. Jesus said, Man, if only you'll grab hold of this. This is going to bring you life. Now, that verse tells me that the good ground brought forth a hundredfold return. If you have a look at verse 15 of the same chapter, we find this. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart have heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. You got that? Verse 11 makes it very clear what seed he's talking about because he says the seed is the Word of God. So there's no doubt what he's talking about. And if you sow the good seed of the Word of God into good ground, your life, and you wait patiently, you will have a harvest, provided you have kept the seed. Look there in verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. Keep it. There's a difference between hearing it and keeping it. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, we read that the Lord put Adam in the garden to tend the garden and keep it. 
That's the same Hebrew word that is used here. Same word. And the interesting thing about it is this. We're talking about long-suffering, getting through, winning, and living an experience of life without boundaries. And because Adam didn't keep the garden, he ended up with a lifestyle lower than God intended for him. This word on long-suffering, this word on patient endurance, if you'll take it and put it into your heart, will enable you to handle the pressures of life, carry you through it. At the end, you'll come out with a testimony and you would have kept the word, which means you will move to a position of life experience that the Lord intends for you to have. Nobody said it's going to be easy. But we take the kingdom by force. We take and grab hold of it and we experience it. You cannot experience life without boundaries if you do not keep the word. If you're going to fail at every pressure that's exerted upon you, If you're going to fold when the going gets too tough, you will never experience life without boundaries. You have to learn to put on long suffering with the right attitude, working in the body, being prepared to forgive and make allowance. Learning to endure like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness. It's a learning exercise. But when you've gone through it, you'll look back and you say, I know how to do that now. I know how to do that. The most difficult time is invariably the first one because you don't know quite how to handle it. The handling comes when I look beyond. My kids are running out on the street. My husband's out of a job. All of these things are set against me. God, are you in this? And God says to you, I've said to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I said, if you are faithful to take my word and start living it out in your life, I will see you and bring you through this. Look at the end result. The end result is Father, I want to thank you. I see my kids and my husband and myself as a family worshiping and blessing you and praising you together. I see it with the eye of faith. I believe that that is your will for us. And I want to thank you, Father, by faith. I'm claiming that. I'm grabbing hold of it. You said it's not your will that any should perish. Look, folks, it's very easy when the going gets tough just to scribble people. Just to wash you, I've tried long enough. It's been 15 minutes and I've tried long enough. That person may be your mission call for life. Some of you just died. You said, my life's over. Long-suffering. 
endurance. Patient endurance. Working with each other. Exercise yourself unto godliness. Gumnatso. We are growing up. We are growing up. There are going to be some who are not prepared to take the challenge. We're going to love them. You're going to suffer along with them. But you can't keep running back and pulling them along. Because these things, character development, is determined by the individual. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to grow. This is the pace at which I'm going to grow. And we determine that, not God. Start applying yourself. Keep the word. What did he say out there on Tuesday night? This is Thursday morning. Oh, my Lord, what did he say? Go and get the tape and run through it. It's coming. It's coming. God doesn't do this for nothing. I promise you, his timing's perfect. It's perfect. Find out how to do it. Remember how to do it. Start putting it into practice. Be more tolerant. Be more understanding. Walk in love. Thank you, Father, for the love of God that shed abroad in my heart. And the spin-off, the byproduct of that is long-suffering. It's joy, peace, long-suffering. I'm able to handle this. I'm able to endure it. Man, God, you've given me a stainless steel spine. I can't flex. They can't blow me away. I'm more than a conqueror. And I'm an overcomer in this situation. I'm not going to let the devil come in here. I'm able to forgive. I'm able to love people. I'm able to look beyond their limitations and their faults. I'm not going to let the devil get me into his trap where I let their faults cause a difference and a barrier between me and them. I'm going to look at them with the eyes of Jesus and I'm going to love them. And I'm going to love them into a relationship that's going to bring honor and glory to his name. Character. Character. Character is who we are. Who we are. That's character. So, Father, we bless you for your word. Thank you for this congregation that have endured tonight. You're wonderful in your ministry to us. We bless you for it. Thank you that no matter who we are, young or old, we're able to handle whatever comes down our pipe. And we're able to handle it with the right attitude. We're able to handle it with wisdom and understanding. We're able to suffer long and be kind. We bless you for it. Thank you that you're changing us. Thank you that you're working on the inside of us. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.